I felt led to begin something new. We're going to probably resume. In fact, I know we'll resume with this series on walking in the Spirit. In fact, (laughs) over the last couple of weeks, it's become even more real to me. The presence of God on the inside of me is becoming so more real and so more precious. So that even in the middle of situations, I have a sense within me of God's answers. And even just before we came up there, I had God drop something in me about something to say. And it's like, it's so exciting to realize God speaks to you through the day. I remember crying out to God, says, you speak to me when I'm up here. How come you don't do it out there? And I know he does. It's just a question. I'm, I have more confidence to listen up here because I've got years of experience. So it's a lot of us just developing confidence, God speaking to you, and knowing what to listen for. Because sometimes I think we're listening for words. And, and, and what God often speaks, usually speaks with is just impressions. You'll just know something. And it's, it's not like a thought in your mind. You'll just know something. And then as you begin to step out and learn how to do that, you realize that really was God. Praise the Lord. So I believe what we're going to talk about this morning really is God. So turn with me to Ecclesiastes. Where's that? Well, if you find Proverbs, turn right. Ecclesiastes. Before we actually read the Scripture, as soon as I find it here, it's chapter 3. Very familiar verse. This is New Year's Day. And I used to think about what was so big about New Year's Day, just another day on the calendar. I mean, nothing happened in my body different this morning when I got up than it was when I went to go bed yesterday, last night. Uh, it's just another day, it's another day after the day before. And yet, because we operate in a calendar, because calendars are for our benefit, so we all know when to show up on Sunday morning. <laughs> calendars are for our benefit, but I really do believe there's a significance to it. It's turning a page. Because last year ended last night at midnight, and for some of you, that was a relief. But what's about last year is, the one thing as we look back on last year, is we know what last year had in store for us, because we went going through it. And for some of you, it may have been a wonderful year, full of great surprises and victories. For other of you, it was a very difficult year. You may have lost loved ones, or you may have gone through challenges and financial issues or health issues, but you've come, because if, are you here today? That means you came through it. (laughs) You're still here. You came through it. And so, so as we look back on the year that we're leaving, we can look back and know, I know, I know what was in store for that. But when we were at the same point, New Year's Day last year, you didn't know what was laying in front of you. So as we begin this year, we're letting go of something that's done, that's finished. And for some of you, you're glad, I'm glad that's done. So as we go into this year, don't hold on to it. Some of you had a great year last year. This is a new year. Don't hold on to it. And so what what we're going to begin to talk about is is seasons. In fact, let's read this now, and then then I'll begin to get into some of this. I don't know how far I'm going to go. Very familiar verses. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. I'll explain some of this in a minute. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones. I'm going to go on and on. You understand that, and I don't want to get sidetracked on this. Ecclesiastes is not an anointed book. Whoa. 
Ecclesiastes is written by King Solomon at a time when he's backslidden. And so this is, represents, because he was a very wise man, God had given him wisdom. This represents man's best wisdom apart from God. Proverbs, uh, Psalms is David's expressing his wisdom that God has given to him. And I believe the reason the book of, I said, Lord, why is it in here then? If it's not anointed, if it's not you speaking truth. Because I believe it's in there for contrast. Solomon is an amazing man to, to understand. Because here's a man that God said was the wisest man that ever lived. And yet he backslid. Which tells us that wisdom alone does not keep you safe. The wonderful contrast is between King David, Solomon's father, who the God said to him about him, this is a man after my own heart. And David sinned also. Some of the same sins. But David was recovered from that because when David sinned and he was presented with his sin, David's first response was not, oh, I've done a terrible thing. Oh, I've hurt a lot of people. David's first response is, I have sinned against my God. Why? Because even in the middle of his sin, his heart was towards God. His desire was for his God, to serve his God, to love his God, to worship his God, to honor his God. And so God, David's heart and relationship with God brought him through all the difficult things that he went through. We don't see anything in the book, in the Bible very much about Solomon's relationship, his heart relationship with God. But we do see that he was very wise and that wisdom came from God. But because he relied upon his wisdom, he backslid and didn't recognize where he was or how to get out of it. In fact, he didn't even listen to God's wisdom when God spoke to him. He says, if you do these things, this is what's going to get in trouble. You're in trouble. And I'm not going to go through all of those things. But he violated things God warned him about. And I think the lesson is, well, it's Proverbs 3, 4, and 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean or rely not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. That means know Him, walk in a relationship with Him, and He will direct your path. So I sent that little side trip so you would understand why when I say, as we, as you, if you, we're not going to go past it, but if you continue to read down here, it sounds like, well, what's this all about? Because the beginning of this book says vanity, life is nothing but vanity, and the end of the book says life is nothing but vanity. There's no purpose, and you come, you live, you die, and what was this all about? Well, without God, that's what life looks like. When you're young, you're full of vigor and enthusiasm and zeal. And then as you begin to hit your middle ages, what happens is you begin to look back and look forward and realize, wait a minute, I've, I have already lived more now than I probably have ahead of me. And it causes people, especially men, to reevaluate their life. And this is when some of them go through their second childhood. What are they trying to do? Hold on to life. Because the real lesson is you live long enough as you can't hold on to it. Every day it slips through your fingers more and more. So if you're living your life in this earth on your own for yourself, you're going to lose it because it's slipping through your fingers. But if we learn to live our life in a relationship with God, then there's a purpose and there's a perspective that's beyond this life. And so, I didn't mean to get into all that, but the point here, what, the, what I wanted to look at here, is Solomon says, 
to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. So I mentioned before, this is New Year's Day. We've turned the calendar into a new year. But I want to begin to talk to you, this is all kind of related, about seasons. We're, we live in New England, and we have four seasons. We have one of our sons that was with us over Christmas, now lives in L.A., and it's very boring, every day 75 and sunny. And every once in a while he sends me a picture of their forecast for the day, just to remind me that every day is sunny and boring. And, and right now I could use some of that boring sun. <laughs> But you know, when we're in New England, we get used to the seasons. There's a value to these seasons. And as we're going through these seasons, there's a tendency to, well, there's not a tendency, we, we, tend, we look forward. I mean, if, if we lived in the North Pole, what we have in January is what you have every day. But we live in a part of the world where, although we're going through winter right now, and it's a beautiful day today, but we've had some tough winters, we do know we can get through this because spring is coming. So although we're going through a tough winter where there's lots of snow, and I'm not prophesying that for this year, <laughs> even when we do, even when we go through a cold snow, we know it's not going to last. It's going to end. So we're looking forward to the next season, and then many of us who are, or many of you who are smart enough, we begin to prepare for that. So there's a time when you start looking at seed catalogs or you start thinking about what you're going to do this summer. Or as if we're in the summertime or the fall, we begin to think about the winter. We've got to store up maybe some firewood. We've got to begin to get, you know, mulch our thing. You know, there's things you do thinking ahead to prepare ahead because we know change is coming and we want to prepare for that change. And life is change. And what we need to do is to learn how to handle that change and prepare for that change. And so we're going to spend just a few weeks this January to begin to talk about seasons. There's seasons for, for the year. Winter, fall. Winter, I got them right. Winter, spring, summer, and fall. And then and there's seasons of life. I remember when I was young, when I was just leaving the law practice to go to the ministry, there was a famous, well-known book that came out called Passages. And it talked about the different passages of life and how to handle moving from one, one role in life to another. And it's a learning process. I, re, I remember when, when our first grandchild was born and we, and we show up at the hospital and our daughter, who obviously we were there when she was born, our daughter is now going through the birth process. And I'm looking at my wife and said, I know how to handle it when we were the parents because I know what our role is. What's our role now? So to learn what's what's our role now as grandparents, even even in at the birth, even at different parts of our life, what's our role as grandparents? And now we've moved into another phase. We're great grandparents. Now, what role is that? I can't relate to that one yet. <laughs> so there's always adjustments. There's always because there's life has changed. It's moving from one area of life. Do you understand that if you were to stand, when you got out of the shower the next time you do, just take a look at your body and recognize that you're not the same person you were seven years ago. Because if I understand correctly, we've got several doctors here, is that your cells change. So the cells that are make up your body today are not the same cells that made up your body up seven years or eight years ago because they're constantly being replaced as old ones die out. 
So you may look at yourself and say, I look basically the same, but you're not the same person physically. There literally are different cells. And there's change going on in your body all the time. If you don't believe that, look at some old pictures of yours. My kids found some old pictures of, my, of our family when they were home and then began to post them. <laughs> we go through changes. <laughs> we go through changes. And so we have to learn how to handle those changes because we know they're coming and we know what to expect because we've lived through our season. So we have an idea of what spring's going to be like. We have some idea of what summer's going to be like. We have an idea of what winter's going to be, fall and winter going to be like because we've been through them before. But as you go through the changes of life, it's a little harder, although we know other people that have gone through them, so we have something to expect. But not only do we go through physical changes in life, but we go through spiritual changes. We go through changes as individuals spiritually, and we go through changes and seasons as a church together. What I want to begin to talk to you about is that our walk with God as individuals and as a church also has seasons and phases. If you've been walking with the Lord long enough, and we've been, what, 37, 38 years, you've seen different, different, ish, different focuses come and go. Back in the, in, in the, in the, in the 50, 40, late 40s and 50, early 50s, there was a great movement, a healing movement, as they came out of the World War II. There was what's called the healing revival, and you had people like Oral Roberts and A. A. Allen and many people traveling all around the country in tents with these amazing miracles taking place. Some incredible things were taking place. And then that kind of fades out. And then you had the charismatic renewal. And you had Catherine Kuhlman, and you had all of that begin to come. And I, we were saved in the middle of the charismatic re- renewal. So we got into some of those things. And, and, but, but a lot of what happened in there is people were learning that the, to be, how to be filled with the Spirit, not as just something you did, you know, at a ceremony one day, but living it out and experiencing the fullness of the Spirit. But they didn't have much of the teaching of the Word. So all kinds of crazy things happened. And then we move from that into another phase or movement where you had begin to have focus was on teaching the Word. And so this church was established out of this as Faith Christian Center. And it was established primarily as a teaching center. And Pastor Sam, that, 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 and he and Donna founded this church, uh, they were very well focused on teachers. And, they were, and, and, and we brought many of the, the well-known teachers in that well fed this church so well. And that's a, that's, that's a phase that the body of Christ was going through. And, but, but then there's a movement out of that phase. And I believe that we're in the beginnings of another phase, another movement. And so we have to learn how to flow with those changes. Just as we have to learn how to flow with the seasons of life, we've got to be willing to f- prepare to flow with, with changes in seasons. And so that's what we're going to begin to talk about this morning. We're going to talk, and I'm going to only be brief this morning because we do have the, have the Lord's table to celebrate together. I want to look, look at me at uh, Matthew chapter 16. Now this is one of Jesus's, well, well I'm going to put it, this is one of the Pharisees' confrontations with Jesus. He didn't confront them. Well, he did later on in this book. Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came testing him asking that he would show them a sign from heaven. 
And he answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Now, they didn't have the weather channel. They didn't have 14 weather apps on their phone where they can just click something and find out what the weather is today or where it is anywhere. But what, So what they had to do was they had learned by experience that, that nature gives you certain indications of what's coming. And what he's saying to them is you've learned, you've learned to recognize in the natural that when you see a certain sky the night before, that that bodes well for the next day. Or maybe you see a different kind of sky and that means it's going to be threatening tomorrow. So he says you've learned to notice and detect the weather, but you do know the weather changes, don't you? Yeah. They've been able to anticipate what the weather's going to be tomorrow by looking at the signs that nature gives them. Now, we have much more information available. We have, we have all the meteorologi- meteorological information. We have all the scientific information. We've got weather balloons and satellites and all kinds of stuff up there, and they still get it wrong a lot. But we've got all that information. Uh, out there coming in, but they didn't have all of that. So they had to learn to discern, which is really all meteorology is anyway, is learning to discern, because they can't see tomorrow. All they can do is take the data from today, run it through all those different computer modules, and the computer tells them what it thinks, what they think, and they don't agree. So they're still trying to predict it through observing and discerning information. So we're still doing the same thing. It's just we have all kinds of technology and data that they didn't have, but we're still trying to do the same thing. We're still trying to figure out what tomorrow is going to be like by looking at what's there today. All right, that's just explaining the background here. So this is what he says to them about that. In the morning, you see a foul... In the morning, you say in the morning because the sky is red. It will be foul weather today. Verse 3. For the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites. That's never good. You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Now, they had come to him asking for signs. And Jesus is saying, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You can't even, you're you're able to discern and recognize the signs of changes in weather, but you're not able as spiritual leaders, to discern the change in the signs of the times spiritually. So we don't want to be like them. Amen? Amen. I just want to be sure. Okay. You cannot discern the signs of the times. Now, the word times there is a very interesting word, and I I don't usually, although sometimes I do, dwell on a particular Greek word. But this word has a real significance. The Greek word here is kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. And you may have heard this word, you may have heard some teachers or preachers, and I know Marianne Brown, when she would come, would talk about a kairos moment. Anybody ever heard of that? A kairos moment. What's that about? The word kairos means an appointed time, a set time. And so if you have a, you know, if, if you're getting, if you're getting married next week and you have a, you know, the wedding invitation is going out and the service is going to be at 1130 on Saturday morning, that's an appointed time. When church opens at 830 in the morning or 11 o'clock, that's an appointed time. (laughs) 
Some of you didn't get that. <laughs> it's an appointed time. <laughs> and so this word tells us that, that God has specific times for things, seasons for things. Sometimes this word is used in a context that implies a season of time. Sometimes it's a particular moment. But the key idea here, it is appointed. It is appointed. Most of us go through our life just living one day after another. Get up tomorrow. Well, tomorrow's a holiday for most of you, so I don't know what you're going to do. But most days we get up, we have a routine we go through. Get up, turn the coffee pot on, get your coffee, sit down with your whatever is your routine. And you know ahead of time what your routine's going to be. And we go through one day after another, one day after another, one day after another, one day after another, one day after another. Living our life, spending our life one day after another. And a number of years ago, a pastor of a large church in California named Rick Warren wrote a book that became a bestseller entitled The Purpose Driven Life. And the reason that grabbed people so much is it began to awaken them. Wait a minute. I'm not just here to exist. I'm not just here to survive. God has a purpose for my life. Every day, God has a purpose for my life. He has an appointment for me every day. And the idea here, because we saw in Ecclesiastes that there's a, there's a purpose under heaven. So the seasons of our life, the times of our life, the periods of our life, and they can be as short as a day, they can be as long as, as, long as 20 years, but there's a definite season or period for different issues in your life, and God appoints them. God, now there's some things the devil wants to appoint in your life, but we're not looking for those. We're looking for what God has appointed. Is everybody with me this morning? Okay, I don't want to make sure I'm not off somewhere. I don't want to leave you because, you know, I'm excited about this. And sometimes when you begin to talk about these things, people get a little antsy. What's he mean by this? What's coming? Don't worry about it. What we're all looking for is what does God want? What does God want? But the whole purpose of this morning is just to make a, awaken us to the idea of seasons and of transitioning from one season to another. Just as we've learned to transition from winter to spring to summer to fall and back into winter again. Just as you have to learn somehow to transition from being an adult, bring a child to being an adolescent to being a young adult to being a middle-aged adult to being a more mature adult. That's what I call us. <laughs> we have to learn to adjust to those things. And that's not always easy. I remember when I hit 50 years of age, it shook me. Because I didn't prepare for it. It snuck up on me. It's not like I didn't know it was coming. I didn't know what it was going to mean. And in that year, I went through some events that signal my mortality. My father died that year. There were symptoms began to develop in my body that, are, that, that can develop in men that, as they get older. And, and things began to happen. It's like it, it shook me. And, and so as, we, as I, 10 years later, as I approached 60, I prepared myself for it. So 60 was not a big deal for me because I saw it coming and I prepared myself for it. And then I had to look at 70. And I prepared for that. And that's when I went to God and said, Lord, this is, the times are getting shorter. You know, and the Lord said to him, I want you to begin to look at your life not in terms of a number, 
but in terms of an assignment. And it changed everything for me. Because when you're 20, everything's in front of you. When you're 30, well, you begin to realize I'm not 20 anymore. When you hit 40, that can be a big thing. 50, that's what big for me. But as you get older, the big reality is you don't have as much time left as you had before. And that begins to weigh on you just to do God's work, just to, you know, hold on to life, your family. And when I began to see my life as an assignment, it changed it to a purpose instead of just living from day to day. That's also true of a church. This church has gone through different phases, not through just different pastors. We've had three senior pastors, but it's not just the pastors. Part of it has to do with the pastors because some of it reflects the calling and personality of the pastors. But there's seasons that this church has gone through, and I believe that we're on the brink of a new season. And this is why I believe I really felt God's led me to talk about this at the beginning of the year. So like 50 snuck up on me, these changes, these seasons that God has for us doesn't sneak up on us, but we're prepared for it. All right? Because keep in mind this. What we're talking about is seasons God brings into your life. We're talking about changes that God wants to bring into your life. And God only wants to improve things. He doesn't want to make things worse. God only goes from one level of glory to another level of glory if we'll flow with Him. If we'll flow with Him, God wants to take us from one level of glory to another level of glory. But moving from one season or phase to another requires knowing how to handle change. Moving from one season to another successfully requires us to know, understand how to handle change. Because change comes whether you're ready for it or not. It doesn't ask you, are you ready yet? It comes. 2017 came whether you liked it or not. 71 years of age came to me in last year whether I liked it. Well, I like it because the other alternative is not so good. <laughs> <laughs> so just keep that in mind <laughs> so what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks is how to handle change to be prepared for change not to be afraid of it to be prepared for it now we've just finished oh, I'm not sure we're finished with it we've just come through a time when we've been looking at a group of people in the Bible that went through change. And it's the story of the Israelites going from Egypt into the promised land. And what we saw is God had a purpose for them. And they had a season where it was God's purpose for them to be in Egypt. And we've talked about that. The reason for them to be in Egypt was because there was a famine coming on the land and God sent Joseph down, one of the, one of the twelve sons of, Ab of, J of Jacob, sent him down ahead of time in order to prepare for the provision of God's covenant people. And then at the appropriate time, the appointed time, God brought them down there, the Israelites down there. And as they went through the five years, of the seven years of prosperity, and then the seven years of famine, God provided for His people, as He always will, and He led them in there. Even though they didn't understand what was going on, Joseph didn't understand why he ended up in, Potter, in prison. Joseph didn't understand all that, but Joseph, oh, this is, 
Joseph had the right attitude towards the changes in his life. And God had given him a vision and shown him that there's going to come a time when your brothers and your family are going to bow down for you. Now, he was young and inexperienced and didn't know how to handle that vision, so he made the mistake of broadcasting that to his brothers, and that's not a wise thing to do when you're the second youngest. And so it spurned jealousy, but even God used all of that to get Joseph where he needed him to get to. Some of you may be worried, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to where God wants me to get. Just keep seeking Him. God has a way of getting you where He wants to get you. But you keep the right attitude. And Joseph had the right attitude, so whatever things kept going from bad to worse, to even worse, to unthinkable, Joseph's attitude was still right. And so God was using those to get him to the place that God wanted him to provide for God's people. But as I've shared with you, when this season for the Israelites being in Egypt was over, they overstayed their visit there. It's an important lesson. Because when it was time to move on, they got comfortable where they were. And as a result, they ended up in slavery under taskmasters. And although they had food there, leeks and onions and all those other exciting things, they were also burdened down with labor that wasn't their labor. It wasn't producing anything for them. They were beaten. Many of them died. And when it finally got too much for them, we've talked about this, they cried out to God. God was already prepared. He had a deliverer, Moses, prepared. And he wants to bring them out of Egypt, out of this bondage. And he has a, a land he wants to take them into. This is what God wants to. He has a place he wants, a destiny he wants for them. And the big challenge was for God to get this group of people to let go of that season of their life and to enter into the season that God had for them. And so the process that we've studied is God bringing them out and they had to go through the wilderness. And we saw that there was a shorter way, but that had to, it, God knew them and they were going to be face to face with the Canaanites and God knew they'd panic and run back to Egypt. So God had to take them by a circuitous route that took a year to get them up to the promised land. And when it came time to enter into this season, because it was different, because they didn't understand it, they refused to go in. While they were in Egypt, the Egyptians provided their food. While they were in the wilderness on their way to the promised land, God provided their food and took care of them. But as they were going to go into the promised land, God was going to provide their food differently. They were not going to have to work for it. They were going to have to plant and sow and reap and harvest. But God was going to bless them. And we've seen the story of this nation called and ordained by God to enter into this season of their fulfilling the purpose that God had for them. And they sent that first generation of spies in and they came back and their report, because of what we learned about them, they refused to go in. They would not accept the change that God had for them. Because it was scary to them. Getting quiet. And here's what I want to say. This is what went off in me. Is, remember, this is our story also. Because Egypt represents the world. 
We were born in bondage to the world and the world's system, the world's philosophy, the world's attitudes. And when you came to Christ, you were delivered out of the world. Colossians 1.13 says, We were transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. When you were born again, when you were saved, God removed your spiritually out of Satan's... That's why we celebrated. I've been delivered this morning. We sang songs about that. You may feel like you're still in bondage, but God's paid for your deliverance. God's paid for your deliverance. And God wanted to bring, just as He wanted to bring them out of that bondage, He had to take them through a wilderness, which remember we've also learned that wilderness was also a training for them. God had to say, I've humbled you and I've made you hungry. Not that He starved them, but He made them eat the food He wanted them to eat so that they would learn something. That man does not live by bread alone. Why? Because God was, God was training them and preparing them for the next season. I know that what I've gone through this year, my wife's gone through with me together. God did not bring that disease into my body, but God has used it. Because the attitude I had towards it was not, why did this happen to me? Not, how could this happen to me? All right, God, this is where we are. You have an answer for me. You're not, you've not left me. You live inside of me. Your word's still true. Talk to me. Tell me what I've got to do. Tell me what I've got to learn. And I'd love to tell you, every day was just walking on water, just, wow, isn't this great? I had ups and downs and sidetracks, but God was faithful to me through the whole time. And as a result, I have come to a place in my walk with God, in the reality of His love and presence in me, that I've never tasted before. I've begun to taste the promised land in me. There's a training that God has to take us through, because He knows what the next season is. And we don't have to be afraid because it's a season God's appointed for us. He's a good father. Remember we spent time, he's a good, good father. And a good father, because he loves his children, will prepare them for being adults, for the next phase of life, for the next season of life. This is one of the tragedies that's going on in, the, in, in parenting today. And when you see it in the weakness that we see in this very young generation, because the concept of parenting now has become, my purpose as a parent is to be my, the best friend of my children, for them to like me and for me to like them. And as a result, when, when you're trying to be friends with somebody that you're supposed to train, anybody, any of you ever gone in the military? Did you ever go through basic training? Was your, was your, was your drill instructor your friend? Did he come in in the morning with a cup of coffee for you and say, you know, you know I, want to, I know it's going to be hard for you to get out of bed. I know it's going to be difficult for you, but I'm here. Josiah, I, you, know, you went through the Marine. Here's a cup of coffee. Now, I hope it's warm enough for you, you know, and it's a little cold out there, so you might want to wear some gloves. I, I don't think they did that. <laughs> See, their role is not to be your friend. Their role is to train you. And in Hebrews 12, God says, it says in verse 5, because God loves us as a father, he will discipline us and train us. Nowhere in there does he say punish, because punish is getting back at somebody for something. 
Discipline is correcting behavior and attitudes because you love that person and you believe in the potential that's inside of them and your role is to help develop that. That's what parents' role is for. That's what a parent's role is for. Because as parents, if we don't do that, something else is going to train them. It's called life. Which is why so many young people are running back home because the reality out there doesn't match the safety and security that they had at home. I didn't mean to get off on all that, but it was good. But God is a loving Father, so He will train us and prepare us for the season that is to come. And so the question is, are we learning what we need to learn so that we are prepared? Because what happened then is this first generation gets to the doorway of the promised land of the next season for their life, their purpose, that was to affect everybody, and they cannot go, they refuse to go in. So what God had to do with them is God had to had to destined them to wander around for another 39 years in a wilderness, listen carefully, going nowhere. Just surviving. And God provided for them. And God still directed them, but He couldn't direct them somewhere important. He had to keep them going around in a circle. And that can happen in our life. God is in you if you're in Christ, if you've given your life to Christ. God is in you to do something in you. He's not just in you so to make sure you get to heaven. He's in you to be at work in you. Paul writes to one of the churches, for God is at work in you, I think it's Philippians, to to both the will and to do His good pleasure. God is at work in you through the Holy Spirit, literally to conform you to the image of Christ. God's at work in you to bring change into your life, to change you into the new man that you were, was born again, when you were born again, came into you. So God is at work in life changing you. Put it this way, God is at work in you giving you the opportunity to change. The question is, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? Now, change is not something that in our humanness we like. We just like the status quo. And it's a frustrating thing sometimes is to counsel a wife or a husband that's in an abusive relationship. And you keep saying, why do you stay in this? I mean, God never called you to be abused. And, 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 and I've seen them where they, they, they kick the husband out or kick the wife out, and then they come back and play on their emotions, they bring them back in. And sometimes it's hard to understand until you begin to realize that a dependency develops. And it's, it's sometimes, or many times, it's easier to, to live in the mess I'm in, because I know what that is, than to venture out into something new that I don't know. So here's the problem. When it comes to where we are now, we know what that means. When it comes to what we've come through, we know what that means. But when we look ahead to 2017, none of us knows what's going to happen. None of us knows what we're going to face. None of us knows what this nation's going to face, what this world's going to face. And there's been so much turmoil with this nation through this last election. People scared, going to run away. And, and what we're going to learn how to do is how to handle change so you don't panic. Because whatever change God brings to your life, it has a purpose. It's for your benefit. And so in our humanness, we just, we don't like change, by and large. 
We just, I'd rather have the status quo. It's comfortable. But here's the problem. One of the principles of life is that if you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not changing, if you're not changing, you're becoming stagnant. And stagnant water is a breeding ground for all kinds of bacteria and destructive diseases. The contrast is between the Sea of Galilee, where life flows in and life flows out, and the Dead Sea. And the reason for that name is it's nothing can live there. It's dead. So as I bring this to a close, this is my last closing, I want to read one scripture. It's very important that we embrace change that God brings into us. Change is a part of life. It's healthy if it's good change. If the change is ordained by God, it's part of our growth. And God is always making, removing the old to make way for the new. Matthew 9, verse 16. And I'll read this and we'll close with this. Jesus is again talking to them about questions they raise. Well, how come you don't do things the same way the others do it? Verse 16. No one puts unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break and the wine is spilled and the wineskins are, are ruined. They put new wine into new wineskins so that both are preserved. What's that about? Because we're not used to wineskins. Wineskin is an animal skin. And when it's, when, it's, when it's fresh, it's pliable, it stretches. And apparently when you put new wine in it, in a contra- cold contra- a closed container, it begins to expand. And if you put new wine in an old wineskin, that wineskin's already stretched, it doesn't stretch anymore. That new wine will begin to expand in there, and because the container won't stretch with it, it bursts and the wine is spilled out. So in order to put something new that God wants to do inside of us, We've got to be a new wineskin that's willing to stretch and change as God enables us to stretch and to change so that the changes become a blessing for us and then through us. So what we're going to begin to talk about next week is we're going to begin to talk about, about, about the value of change. But we're going to talk about but God has a way he prescribes of how to go through change so that it's as painless as it can be and so that it will give you hope Because again, change can be a scary thing to people. But when it's God's change and we know how to handle it, it never is. We're about to prepare to receive the Lord's table. But before we do, let me ask this question. Is there anyone here this morning, we're talking about change, that you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life? The most important change that's ever going to happen to us is there's going to come a point when your body stops functioning and you leave your body and you go either to a heaven or to a hell, they're the only two places, because your soul will live forever. And you get to choose which one of those you're going to go to. And the Bible tells us how we get to choose. Jesus said, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. In other words, you must come to me and invite me to come into my life as the one that paid for your sins. Because when you stand before God, you're going to give an account for everything you've done. And unless you've been perfect your whole life, for every moment, and never said or thought or did anything wrong, you're going to fail 
And God's going to cast you away from His presence, not because He's angry, but because He's holy and you're not holy. But because God loves us so much, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth and then to that cross, so that on that cross, God took your sins and my sins and put them on that cross. And on that cross, God judged every sin and paid the full price for the guilt and shame for that sin. So that when you come to stand before God, the question isn't going to be, are your sins paid for or not? The question is, are you going to have received the gift of His Son that He's given, or have you rejected Him? Because the sin that sends you to hell isn't smoking, drinking. It's rejecting the gift of God that He's given to us in Jesus Christ. And if you don't accept Him, you've rejected Him. 